Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Weekly Town of Portland podcast. I'm Dave Kosminski, your host. We're live here in the Portland Town Tech Educational Podcast Studio here at Portland High School. And with me in the studio, as usual, is our uh, Commander-in-Chief, our first select woman, Ms. Susan Bransfield. And on the line uh, from the Chatham Health District, our Director of Health, Mr. Russ Melman, and also on the line is our uh, uh, Public Works Director and Fire Chief, uh, uh, Robert Shea. So, welcome all. Thank you all Good for joining. Good to be here. Hello. Good to be here. Hi, everybody. So, uh, okay. Well, we are in uh, schools back in session, and uh, um, the town hall is is open. So, Susan, why don't you take it away and sure. uh, go from there? Yeah, we'll talk just a little bit. I have a short report this week, Dave. Um, this week, because the weather is starting to change, there's a little rain in the air today. Um, we're taping on Thursday, the 10th of, of September. And we, um, we've opened up the town hall so that when folks come in to take care of their paperwork, permits, questions, we greet them. Uh, we have a roster of town employees take an hour each day. Each employee is serving as a receptionist and helping our customers as they come to the door, making sure that we follow our COVID responsibility, which is to use the hand sanitizer, sign the logbook, and give us a contact number, and also let us know what it is they need to um, attend to while they're there. Um, everyone who has come in during the hours that I've been the receptionist have been wearing their mask uh, which we're very grateful for. And I think everyone appreciates the ability to get their work done very efficiently. Our town employees are all in the building, ready to serve, and it's working well. So I'm happy about that, and I think our customers and residents are also. So if you need something, come on down, and we'll be happy to help you at 33 East Main Street. The other kind of fun thing we had going on this week is we had a visit on Tuesday from our Lieutenant Governor, Susan Bysowitz, she came along with um, a couple of folks from the Chamber of Commerce, Jeff Puglise and Johanna Bond, and along with Mary Dickerson, who is our uh, development planner, we were able to visit some businesses in town. We started at Mitzi Cosmetics, and um, Brenda Mierzyzewski is doing so well with her staff in terms of producing uh, hand sanitizer. And in fact, she's going to be on a national show uh, Good Morning America on Saturday, and we're very happy to know that she'll be part of their sale and giveaway of over 10,000 bottles of her hand sanitizer. We're so proud of her. Uh, we hope everybody tunes in and, and takes a look at uh, Brenda, who works right here in Portland and manufactures a very needed material. We also went to see the Northeast Performance Center, which is Chris Cody's new site on Main Street on the corner of Route 17A and um, 17. Had a great time there and then ended our tour at uh, the new site of Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen has started their work on Route 17 and 66 and they are having a little delay mostly due to COVID-19. Uh, some of the supplies and materials are a little back ordered but they are looking forward to having their store, I hope, by the spring. And they'll have a drive-through 
and the opportunity for people to utilize their delicious food uh, as, as uh, takeout as well as um, sit in. So we had a great time doing that and promoting our businesses. We look forward to visiting more during the coming months. And um, that's my report for today. I just want to know, did, uh, did you work on your swing while you were at Chris Scotty's there? <laughs> And so, just a little bit, Dave. Just yes, a bit. yeah. The, the views are gorgeous there. the The green grass of the of the fields and the sky that, as you look out the back of that facility, is just breathtaking. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's also you know has been known as our four corners from years that's <laughs> and, right. and so forth. So, but it's it's a great facility. Um, we did shoot some drone footage out there and. Uh, you know, for our economic development, uh, you know, uh, promotion reel. And it was great. It, it really was. And I think it's probably one of the few in the country that uh, have that type of uh, uh, amenities and uh, computerization working on your swing. And it's, uh, if you want to go bone up on your golf game, that is the place to go. That's for sure. For sure. Well, thank you, Susan. That's great. Um, all right. Now, moving over to our health side of things, we have our uh, Chatham Health Director, uh, Russ Melmud. And uh, we missed you last week, uh, Russ, and uh, it's good to have you back on the line. Yeah, good to be back. Uh, it's always good to do these uh, podcast recordings. It's really nice. I think it's great that you continue to do this for whatever it is, the last uh, 20-some weeks or so. Um, this is actually uh, episode 22. I didn't announce that, but yes, this is episode 22. So it's, it's great. I love doing these. Um, so uh, just my usual update in COVID-19. Um, we'll start there. Things are still uh, looking uh, very good. Uh, we have seen, um, not in Portland, but, but in Chatham Health District and really um, elsewhere in the state, we've seen a small uptick in cases and case rates um, in the last week in particular. And so we're seeing two trends. One has been a similar trend all summer, and that is um, people returning from vacations or, or other travel to areas where there's widespread community transmission of COVID-19, we're still seeing those folks return to Connecticut and get sick and test positive. So that's the same trend we've been seeing all summer, and that's continued. What we're seeing now in the latest sort of small spike, and in Chatham Health District, when I say small spike, I mean we were hovering around one case per 100,000 residents in the district. And in the last week, um, that's on a seven-day moving average. In the last week, we ticked up to be at just above two cases per 100,000. So we're still in really great shape relative to basically everywhere else in the country, but um, it is an uptick for us. And so the other thing that we're seeing when we do contact tracing is um, younger people um, largely being tested as a prerequisite for returning to college. So that's the other trend we're seeing is, is before people are able to return to campus, a lot of people have to get tested, and they are, and, and some of them are finding out that they're positive. Um, still, many uh, are asymptomatic. Some are just are sort of mildly symptomatic and didn't think anything of it. But especially as the summer came to an end, we did see a lot, and we saw reports in the news, and we got complaints from residents here in Chatham Health District. We saw young, largely young people having social gatherings. Um, say goodbye to their friends, end of the summer kind of thing. Um, and for the most part, uh, or in many cases, people weren't properly socially distancing. They weren't wearing masks. Um, they were being very familiar with one another. And so not a surprise that we've seen transmission in those settings. So um, I, I am expecting to continue to see that trend at least over the next couple of weeks because what we see 
now in the data is really a picture of the outbreak as it was two weeks ago. And, and what I mean by that, I'll remind people who are tuning into the podcast, um, what that means is when you engage in behavior that results in transmission of COVID-19, um, it takes you, you know, five to seven days usually to get sick. Um, and then maybe it takes you a couple of days to decide to go get tested, and then it takes a couple of days to get the results. So, so from what you did two weeks ago to the, to the point where we finally find out you're, you're sick and get a test result, it can, can be a couple of weeks. And some people it takes two weeks to even get symptomatic. So um, I'm expecting to see this trend continue for the next couple of weeks. So we're looking at it closely. We are following it closely. I hope that the, the trajectory of our case rates um, increase does not um, accelerate, um, and then I'm hoping that after a couple of weeks we see it level off and, and come back down to what was our baseline for the duration of the summer. Um, so that's kind of what's going on with COVID-19. Testing is still widely available. That's good news. You can get tested in any number of places. The turnaround time has improved from what it was looking like in July and August when demand for testing around the rest of the country had really increased. We saw it, the turnaround time for testing to results um, stretch to about a week was, was not uncommon. So now we're back to about two or three days turnaround time for most test results, which is, which is great news. The other thing we're looking at, you know, everybody knows schools have opened. Um, and, you know, there have been some notable cases in the news, uh, even locally, you know, when, when there's a positive case in a school, we do see the school districts tend to report that out to families that there was a case. Um, you know, so far we haven't had cases in the school that have resulted in quarantine of any classrooms or, or cohorts or, or anything like that, so that's good news. Um, we have seen that occur in other parts of the state where we've had somebody come into the school who's been sick, and that is expected. We are not expecting to not have people come to school um, and, and end up testing positive at some later point. Um, there's no way to completely eliminate those individuals because some people are asymptomatic and some people come in um, feeling fine and then a day later or two days later they get sick and, and get tested and turn positive. What we're looking for and what I hope to see is when we have that situation where somebody is infectious in a school, that the mitigation strategies that schools are employing, including wearing masks, keeping students socially distanced, not mixing students across different classrooms as much as possible, what I'm hoping to see is that we don't have secondary cases, that we won't see transmission as a result of those people walking into a school and being infectious. So for those of you who are listening to the podcast and who hear about cases coming into school and, you know, a class or a cohort was quarantined, what quarantine means is they were exposed and we want them to stay home out of an abundance of caution so that they don't continue coming to school and maybe then they get sick and spread it to others. What I'm hoping to see is that nobody else gets actually sick or test positive as a result of that one case coming into school. If we, when we see that, when we see a case coming to any of our schools and we don't see other cases as a result, that gives me a lot of confidence that all the, all the strategies we're employing are working. Um, so, so that's what I'm hoping to see. I'm hoping to see, you know, when we get a case that walks in, that we don't see anybody else get sick as a result. And that will make us feel, I think, a lot better that, yeah, all the things we're doing, disinfection, social distancing, masks, work, that they work in our schools. Um, I think they will. I hope they will. And so for people reading news stories, what you really want to focus on is the news story after the news story about the case. 
it's a news story that comes a week or two later that says either there were or there weren't other cases as a result of that one. Um, I think people tend to focus on the story about the quarantine, the story about the case. It's alarming. It's scary. We had a case come into a school, and yes, it is. If you don't hear the follow-up, if you don't hear any story about other cases that, that other people tested positive as, as, as a result, that's great news. That's exactly what we don't want to hear. We don't want to hear the second story. And if there isn't one, then everything's working as it should. Um, so that's. I just want people to focus not necessarily on the story about the case, mm-hmm. the case that came in. That's going to happen. What I want people to focus on is what happens afterwards. Do we hear about other people getting sick? And, sure. And my hope is that we don't. So, um, you know, that's. I just wanted to sort of paint that picture for folks that, that news stories can be very alarming, but focus on what really matters, and that is no other cases as a result of that one. Sure. Thanks, Russ. Now, uh, also in relation to where Connecticut is in, in the grand scheme of things, I think uh, uh, what's, uh, what's going on now with the travel advisories? Yeah, so the travel advisory is still in effect. The travel advisory means if anybody travels <clears throat> to any one of the, right now, I think 35 states and territories are listed. For any more than 24 hours, when they come back, they have to quarantine for 14 days. There is only a very small carve-out for people who are unable to self-quarantine. Those people are allowed to get a test three days before coming back to Connecticut, and then they are allowed to do the thing that they absolutely have to do in the state, and that is limited to things like moving a child into college, um, going to a funeral, or, or going to see a loved one during end-of-life care. Really, there's no, nothing else that allows you to test out for the travel quarantine. But I believe that is likely to change. Um, I think we are the only state that has such a restrictive travel quarantine policy. Um, I think most other states uh, in the Northeast that have a travel quarantine policy do allow you to test out of that quarantine for any reason. If you just don't want to self-quarantine, in most other states you are allowed to get a test three days before coming back to Connecticut or before coming to Connecticut if you live out of state. You're allowed to get a test. Right now, Connecticut doesn't allow that, but I believe the governor is going to change that. Um, It's not in executive order yet. Um, So right now, the policy is still, you basically can't test out. You have to quarantine. But I believe that's going to change, um, to to come into line with with our other, with neighboring states, including Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, all the Northeast states that are part of this travel advisory pact, if you will. we're the only ones, I think, that have no test-out strategy. So that's going to change. And, uh, and I think it's appropriate, you know, quarantine for travel um, is, is one step more cautious than quarantine for knowingly coming into contact with an actual case of COVID-19. It's saying, well, you went to this place where there's lots of COVID, so we're going to make you quarantine. Um, it, it's important because, as I said before, most of the cases we're seeing their exposure was not in Connecticut. It was somewhere else in another part of the right. country. Mm. So it's important for people to, to observe the, the rules, whether it's quarantine or testing out, and to not ignore them. But um, I think it is going to ease back a little bit on that um, fairly restrictive policy. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and that's good. Now, I think most of the schools in the district, as far as in relation to are uh, back in session, and I think uh, if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think most schools are, are under the hybrid format. Is, is that um, correct? So the exceptions in the, so I think around, in the state anyway, it's around 60% are hybrid and 40% are all in. I think there's only one 
school district, and that was New Haven, that decided to start the year off entirely digital. In Chatham Health District, it's actually a mix. Um, uh, Hebron Elementary School, for example, they are all in. I believe East Haddam is as well. And I also believe Marlboro Elementary is. But um, Portland and Colchester and Ram, um, they are all, uh, and East Hampton are all starting the year off in a hybrid model. Uh, Hebron actually, the Hebron Elementary is in hybrid just this week, and then next week they are going all in. So they're only in hybrid for one week, and then they're going all in. So it is a, it's a mix. Mm-hmm. It is in Chatham Health District, we see uh, a mix probably reflective of what's going on around the state, around 60% hybrid um, and 40% all in. Sure, sure, that makes sense. And the, and the only other hot topic, obviously, that's you know in the news in the state is the. Uh, uh, you know, the situation with sports, uh, as far as that goes. And I think that's pretty much um, up to the district. But, I mean, uh, most of the time, I think uh, uh, the state health department is, is, is not looking uh, proudly on, on football. So I don't know what's happening. Right. They've, I think the two sports that they've really weighed in on and, and advised against are football and volleyball. Um, now, some people always say, well, volleyball, you know, that's not a contact sport. And if you look at a volleyball court, everybody is, deliberately spaced out around the court, maybe not quite six feet. But um, the reason the state has said football uh, is ill-advised is because of the close face-to-face contact that many of the players have, in particular um, line play. So offensive and defensive lines face off against each other. They grab a hold of each other and block each other, and and they're face-to-face breathing fairly heavily um, during that activity, and also tackling. So the State Department of Public Health has said, you know, football – If you're going to do it, don't have any line playing, don't have any tackling. So make it sort of a seven-on-seven type of activity, Um, uh, which doesn't sound like football to most people, I think. It sounds like practice, perhaps. Um, Football teams often do seven-on-seven drills, for example. But um, So that's where the State Department of Public Health has weighed in. And the, the, the thing with volleyball is it's an indoor sport. So DPH has said anything indoors is much more risky. Um, So if you're going to do it, maybe try to do it outdoors if you can, or... Um, have the players wear masks. Um, and, you know, volleyball is, you know, happens in fits and starts. There's not a lot of running. There is, you know, bursts of activity. Um, but it may be something reasonable to wear masks. It's not a contact sport. So the State Department of Public Health has said, if you're going to do volleyball indoors, make sure everybody's wearing masks. Um, and that's where they're at. But, yes, it is up to the individual district and, and the, the athletic conference. Um, and it's, it, it varies right now around the state what people are doing. Ah, all right. Excellent. Uh, thanks uh, uh, for that great information, uh, Russ. I appreciate it. And uh, again, the, the flu, uh, the, the situation is kind of a, a fluid situ- situation. And I know Susan's dealing with that every day and, you know, how things change and uh, adapting oh. and responding also. Speaking of flu and fluid, we are starting up our, our influenza vaccine clinics at Chatham Health District. So, um, we're planning uh, some, we're looking at the month of October. So be on the lookout. We're going to be doing flu clinics largely outdoors. Um, so we're, you know, weather permitting, the clinics are going to be outdoors. Um, that's, you know, safer for everybody. Uh, of course, that makes it problematic if there's inclement weather. But, uh, but we, don't, we don't fancy bringing a bunch of people into a public clinic indoors. Um, so, so we're going to be doing outdoors, and, and there's also a lot of talk about the COVID vaccine Local health departments and the state health department have been advised by the CDC to begin preparing um, for before the end of this calendar year for the initial doses of COVID-19 vaccine to arrive. It doesn't mean that they are. It just means we need to prepare for it. 
It will come in small quantities. Right now there are eight different vaccine candidates, all in phase three clinical trials, and all with different requirements for storage and requirements for dosages. Um, so it's, it's very difficult to plan for things when we don't know what vaccine we're getting, how it has to be stored, and how many doses people have to get at what interval. Um, but we're looking for a small amount of vaccine, and that's really going to be focused on our first responder community, our, 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 our critical infrastructure personnel, people who work in healthcare, police, fire, EMS. Um, and so we're, we're looking at small amounts of vaccine at some point before the end of the calendar year. And then hopefully very quickly after that, we will see um, manufacturing ramp up and, and get vaccine out to more people. But that's, that's far from a certain thing. I'm just letting everybody know that, that, that we are starting to plan for those activities, and, and I hope that we do see a safe and effective vaccine for COVID-19 soon, because my, my feeling is it can't come soon enough, so long as it's safe and effective, um, and however long it takes to, to, get, to get us there is how long it should take. Sure. Um, I really hope it's soon. Right, right, great. Thanks, Russ. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, next on the line, okay, Mr. Robert Shea, our Public Works Director slash uh, fire chief. <clears throat> Hi, Bob. How you doing? I'm good. How's everybody? Hope everybody's well. Yeah, we are. Uh, we are upright. <laughs> That's right. Yep. So just a, you know, a quick update, Dave. Thanks for having me again. And uh, we continue to do our cleanup from the storm. Believe it or not, uh, moving into five or six weeks now, um, or fifth week. Uh, you know, we're doing our best. Uh, we, there's a tremendous amount of tremendous is probably understated. Uh, amount of debris and brush, not only the debris that, uh, you know, the residents are leaving for us to pick up, but um, there's so many other miles of common area that might not have residential frontage that we have to um, pick up as well because there were damaged trees and limbs in those locations with wires down and stuff was left off the side of the road. So it's not just those piles that are in front of our 5,000 plus homes. Um, it's uh, the total 70 miles um, of roadway that we need to, uh, lane miles that we need to take care of. That's a, a daunting task for, you know, a small crew. Yes. But we are making good headway. I just want to, um, you know, let the residents know that we'll be there. It's just taking us time. Um, certainly they can, you know, dispose of it uh, if they'd like themselves, um, not only at our transfer station, uh, you know, with the permit. And with that permit, of course, you get two free um, loads to go there, so that might help, um, or, you know, contract it out if they're concerned about it being there a little too long. But for those that um, we've gone through and then we had to go through early, um, which are the areas downtown from Indian Hill Avenue, maybe down into the Grove Street area, that was before we started some of that cleanup before the actual 17th date to have it out. We'll be going back. We'll go back to some other areas as well. But, you know, the, 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 the residents that are continuing to do brush removal um, and putting it out at the curb that we've already been to, I mean, that, that's not really what we're there for. So I would hope that they would use other means to, you know, take that brush um, that might not have been related to storm damage. It's, it's, you know, easy to see when it's on the side of the curb if it's fresh cut versus damaged, if it's still green and if it's not. So we would urge them to try to, you know, take care of that without us having to go back and do that and create more of a, um, a workload for us. Um, so we'll continue that. People are, you know, we're taking phone calls. We haven't forgotten you. Uh, phone calls are welcome. We're making a list in case we um, have an area that we haven't got to. But downtown, you know, the Spring Street area, 
moving towards um, north, I guess you would say towards uh, Summer Street, um, that area, that whole side of um, the hill um, moving down still needs to be done. We'll be getting to that. And then, you know, a good part of the country is complete, but there's other areas that, you know, still have significant brush to pick up. So we're on it uh, probably three weeks, maybe four weeks more. Um, it's a big, big deal. We're, we're doing our very best with the equipment that we have. Um, so, uh, you know, just have patience and uh, we'll certainly get to you. We had to take uh, a little bit of a break each day on brush because we have uh, road projects that need to be complete. And we are getting stretched uh, to the end of the year very quickly. COVID did not help. It pushed us out. The availability of materials, the availability to get things done, and then just when we were ready to get back into it, we had the storm. So um, we're doing our best. Chip sealing hopefully will start Friday, if not definitely Monday. It looks like uh, this little bit of weather that we're having might push it a day, but um, we finally uh, were able to get our contractor in, and um, you know he's been delayed as as everyone else has not only from that but when the roads are covered with debris you certainly can't do that work so hopefully that'll be done in the next week which will put that behind us and we can get on to some other projects that we certainly need to get done um the sooner the better to start prepare again for you know late fall and early winter mm -hmm. um, that's already on us so sure. um other departments are working hard along with highway water and sewer are still uh you know keeping up with um um, you know, what is going on, reminders to everybody about flushing stuff that they're not supposed to. We're s still experiencing some of those issues, but certainly not as bad as it was, which is good. People are taking our advice and obviously not using, you know, their their sewers to, to flush things that, you know, create havoc in our pumps down the road as well. People should be, you know, aware of water as well and, and uh, check their outdoor faucets and uh, make sure that their indoor appliances are working uh, properly and their toilets aren't using more water than they should because, uh, listen, let's face it, everybody's home. And I used this statement before, Dave, and I think you have as well, that um, you're no longer using the facilities that your boss pays for. If you're working from home, you're using yours. Right. Um, so you're seeing an increase. In, we're seeing a, a, a large increase in usage, um, and that is, I think, has a lot to do with uh, the drought conditions, um, as well as people working from home and people being home a lot earlier this year in March um, than just in the summer months, and, uh, you know, that makes a difference. We're starting to see a little trend uh, back the other way, um, but, you know, we're watching that as well. Our well, we're running when we can. Um, the drought has affected our levels at our well just most recently. <clears throat> we're in still good shape, but we're monitoring that every day. We've been asked to do that by DPH, and, and we are. We do every day. But right. uh, we're reporting that a little more on a weekly basis to uh, DPH, to the, the water district, just to let them know how we are. Our area is just in a moderate. Um, there are areas north of us that are in um, a more severe state in Litchfield County, Hartford County. So they're looking at, you know, their supplies. But hopefully we'll transition soon and get some needed rain um, and nice rain not rain that comes down, you know, four and a half inches in 35 minutes. That doesn't help anybody. And runs off. <laughs> we had that problem, <laughs> yes. which created more issues. And uh, so with all that, um, you know, we're working to uh, continue to get things done. Great. Uh, some imp improvements moving on. So fire department's good and stable. We're trying to train and learning how to train with, uh, with, re with these restrictions is difficult, but we're making that happen. We're doing a lot of online training. Members are taking advantage of staying home with their families and training. And, you know, our fire 
uh, drill night is Tuesday nights. People will see activity, but it's pretty limited, um, and we're trying to follow all the precautions that you know Russ has and the state has put out for us um, in these difficult times, as well as being prepared to respond to our citizens' needs. And I think our membership there has done a wonderful job to be available mm-hmm. when it's difficult to be available. In these times, you want to be safe, and uh, we've been able to manage. So, absolutely, we're in good shape. Absolutely. Um, any quick update on the bridge uh, progress, sir? Yeah, the bridge is moving along. As you can see, the Portland side, um, uh, as of last week's meeting, is uh, is moving a little quicker than the Middletown side because that is a little more extensive in working over Route 9, although they're making good progress there. Our bridge deck is down. Our sidewalks are in. They're doing um, the structural beams. Um, which I think is part not o- only of the railing system, but you'll see some much taller ones, which I think is going to be part of the new fencing system. Uh, so that is working well. The transition of the road, meaning the lanes, where the work will go to the inside of the bridge and the lanes will be pushed out to the edges, um, so you won't be coming head-on anymore, you'll have your, uh, a single lane, is planned for December 17th. And then that third, uh, that second phase, I'm sorry, which will repair the narrow part of the center because you can't do it all at, um, only in halves. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to leave enough lane. Uh, that is planned to finish by the end of March uh, if weather, you know, is okay. Um, and then they'll go into phase three, which will switch uh, the traffic opposite of what it is now. So they're moving along. They're on target for their, their completion date, not any earlier, uh, not any later at this stage. Uh, they've had some delays in the Middletown side with, uh, you know, getting some uh, poles and different things for lighting and um, an awful lot of electrical and conduit work in St. John's Square, but you're starting to see that come together now. And uh, the median has been, a center, center medium has been shortened and part of, it, part of it removed there, which is going to allow a wider lane of traffic. Um, so basically two lanes of traffic coming down Main Street to go over the Aragoni Bridge will be free. Uh, there will be a new right-hand lane that will be free of waiting in line um, with those travelers. So the right-hand side in front of O'Rourke's will have a lane with parking so that people can travel down Hartford Avenue without waiting in that traffic that might be waiting to go over the bridge. So I think that's going to be a, a good improvement for Main Street. Sure. Now that's great. That's great. So far, so good. And uh, so far, so good. Keeping keeping it. And the center lane should go a little bit quicker uh, on the bridge because they're not going to have to deal with railings or sidewalks. There's no sidewalks or railings. It's just bridge deck, and it's going to be about a lane's worth. And uh, yeah, that should move quick. End of March, they're hoping to be switching out to phase three. Great, great. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. Okay. And uh, again, thanks for all your good work and the crew. Uh, and it takes a it takes a village, so uh, it, we're all in this together. So. Yeah, we are. But thanks for everybody's support, and we'll continue to to, to move forward. Great, fantastic. All okay. right, all right. Susan, I think uh, we got a good report. Yeah, very, very informative, and I appreciate all the work that Russ is doing, as well as all the work that Bob and his crews are doing both in the public works and fire department. Um, In fact, I got a nice surprise this morning, uh, Dave. I opened up the mail and there was a really lovely thank you note that came from one of our residents thanking our crew for all the work they've done in the storm and the aftermath and just saying, I listened to your podcast and learned about all the things that are going on, both with the COVID-19 work as well as the brush pickup and just wanted to drop a line and say thank you. So awesome. that really warms our heart, and we appreciate that feedback. 
Um, and we we uh, we look forward to getting everything cleaned up and sure. hopefully, as as Russ pointed out, having that vaccine come. I mean, it's can't be some, soon enough. Yeah, it's something we need to pray about every day. I think because uh, um, it's important. Absolutely. You know, and while we got you know uh, uh, the airtime here and and listeners, um, you know, I think are, are are finding the information that we're putting out every week very useful. But if there's you know a topic that uh, you know folks are especially interested in, you know. Please uh, drop Susan a line or myself a line at the town hall, and uh, we'll be happy to, uh, you know, include that, uh, you know, uh, area in, in our podcasts. And I think uh, it's a great vehicle of uh, getting information out uh, education-wise and, and, and so forth. So uh, uh, please do so uh, if you want to. Uh, Good idea, Dave. Thanks for mentioning that. So anyway. All right. I think that concludes about our episode number 22. Who could believe we've been doing yeah. these 22 episodes? Yeah. And getting a lot of listens. And again, um, our, our podcasts are aired uh, on YouTube. Uh, also, we air our podcasts. We do the post-production and air them on the uh, Channel 15 Public Access Channel, uh, usually at Tuesday mornings uh, at uh, 9 and then at 4. So uh, if you want to hear or, or look at the podcasts on uh, on Channel 15, you can do so there uh, and to go from there. So again, uh, on behalf of us all here at the town of Portland, uh, we're live here at the Town Tech Educational Podcast Studio at Portland High School. Uh, I'm your host, Dave Kosminski, along with Susan Bransfield. And uh, have a great week. Uh, stay home, stay safe, and please wash your hands. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Dave Kosminski. Please tune in every week for new and relevant conversations about the town of Portland. You can find us at portlandct.org or at YouTube forward slash town of Portland. And now wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please consider subscribing and sharing with friends. This podcast was produced by the Town Tech Educational Partnership Program, which is a partnership between Portland High School and the Portland Town Hall. If you're looking to start a podcast for your business or organization, check out towntech.org forward slash podcast to learn more.